us as we open in worship. Great old hymn, revive us again. We praise Thee, O God, for the Son of Thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, Thine the glory. Hallelujah, Amen. Hallelujah, Thine the glory. Revive us again. We praise Thee, O God, for thy spirit of light has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. All glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain. Welcome to Sunset Hills Baptist Church. It's so good to see you guys this morning uh, in this wonderful, wonderful new September, September Sunday. Are y'all uh, glad for the fall to be coming? Going to have some good looking trees out there with some good looking leaves, aren't we? God is such a great creator. He makes us all so different and unique and special and the created world is no different. Uh, if you're joining us this morning on our live stream, we want to take a moment to welcome you as well. Uh, wherever you're at this morning, whatever place you're at, here or there, God can meet you there if you'll let him. And if you're here this morning and you're a guest, we would love to get to know you guys more as well. We hope that you'll stop at our welcome desk on the way out and say hi to one of our greeters who will take care of you. It's just so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning to see y'all here. Y'all look great. Y'all look really great. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Father, thank you that you can fill our hearts with your love. And Father, as we gather here together this morning, Father, I pray that each person here would allow you to speak to their hearts. Whatever they're going through, Father, only you know, and only you can help them. So Father, as we sing now, may we sing with our whole heart, searching, asking questions, looking, and listening to the words we're singing, and Father, responding to you in praise and in wonder. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Let's continue to worship the only king forever. Sing it with us this morning. solid ground 
Yeah. 
Sunset Hills. Well, let's see. Maybe I can do better than that. Uh, happy Labor Day. 
Well, you're kind of there, you're kind of not, I'm not sure. Maybe we need to turn the lights back on and make sure everybody's awake. I don't know, let's see what happens here. Or maybe you just want the lights off and we'll just take a nap. How's that? I don't know. Good morning, Sunset Hills. That's a little better. Thank you so much. It's so good to see you this morning. I appreciate Pastor Mike filling in the pulpit for me last week while we were out on vacation. I just appreciate so much when I can call on folks and they will come in and do a wonderful job in just preaching the gospel. We're starting a new series this week called What to Do When. Doesn't, sound like, doesn't that sound like a good series to do and, and explore? What to do when? Let me just ask you, aren't there times in your life when you really just don't know what to do? Well, now I've got some folks with me, that's for sure. I mean, you find yourself in a situation like you're not sure what next steps that you need to take. Uh, so you are, So we're going to explore some of those times over the next few weeks. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time that you found yourself in a state of confusion? I mean, you found yourself confused, and at least from the moment, you wasn't sure what to do. Now, some of you might answer this way, every morning when I wake up, I find myself in a state of confusion. At least your spouse may say that about you, right? And uh, uh, anybody, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, any spouses, you want to confess that for your, for your better half, that that's the case. I see a few fingers being pointed there. Sometimes I find myself in a state of confusion when my wife is trying to have a conversation with me. In fact, it happened on the way to church this morning. As we were driving out, we're, we're listening to some contemporary gospel music on and, and we're having some conversation. And then there was a little bit of silence, just kind of listening to the, to the music. And then as we get off the interstate to turn on Concord Road, she says, uh, it's gonna be 59 degrees out there. I'm thinking, 59, what is she talking about? It's like she's had this conversation in her mind that's been going on and it's been going back and forth and all of a sudden she just says verbally out loud, it's gonna be 59 degrees out there. I'm saying, what are you talking about? I'm totally in a state of confusion. Does anybody's wife ever do that to you guys? I think it's a plan to just kind of keep us messed up or something, I don't know. She, she does this pretty often, you know, and it's like she has in this conversation and, or we're, we're actually talking about a conversation. We're going talking about different things and then all of a sudden she just kind of interjects something else as if I'm supposed to follow along with her mind. I don't know what it is. So I find myself in a state of confusion from time to time and my just, it's not her problem, it's mine evidently. That's what she would tell me at any rate, right? <laughs> It's not the only time I've recently found myself confused. You all know that Lynn and I, or several of you know, that Lynn and I went camping last week. Now, our camping trips usually have some adventure to them. I'm happy to report to you that other than the refrigerator going out on our 1990 vintage Terry Resort camper, it not cooling at the start of our trip, and the brake controller box going out, locking up the brakes as we were pulling into the campground at Cumberland Mountain State Park. Nothing really happened. 
Pretty good camping trip for us when that happens. Pretty much nondescript except for one situation. At the Cookville Walmart. Almost any trip to the Walmart can be adventurous, right? Sorry, Brian. I hope that doesn't insult you, but... Thank goodness for Walmart, for where you can go and get just about anything you want, anything you need, and get all the entertainment you can handle for a day, right? So we stopped at the Cookville Walmart on our way to uh, high school, one of my high school reunions on Saturday night, last Saturday night. We stopped there to get the brake controller box that had broken, okay? So I found myself in need of, going, of visiting the men's room while Lynn was checking out uh, the brake controller box. I'm usually pretty cautious before I go into a restroom that I'm not familiar with to make sure that uh, I am going to the correct gendered bathroom marked by the sign on the door before I entered as I was this particular night, okay? Naturally, I, uh, so when I turned the corner, I was surprised to see a woman, at least I'm 99% sure that it was a woman, by the sinks washing her hands. Naturally, I did a double take, freezing in my tracks. Because of the reflection that we could see in the mirror, our eyes locked together briefly, and I know she noticed that deer in the head look light during the headlights look I had on my face as we looked at each other. So many thoughts started running through my mind at that particular point. In that very brief second, I was thinking, wait a minute. I checked to make sure that I was going into the right restroom before I walked in. Just maybe I made a mistake. I've been known to do this before, so maybe this was one of those times. It wouldn't be the first time. And then a thought came in, well, maybe she's in the wrong one, and she made the mistake. Maybe in today's time, she's in the one that she's chosen. I don't know. Another topic for another time, I guess. All I know is that in those few seconds, my mind was trying to make sense of what my eyes were seeing, and my body just didn't seem to be catching up to it. Am I seeing this for what it is, what it seems to be? My eyes playing tricks on me. There's always a surefire way for us men to know if we're in the right bathroom or not by just looking beyond the sinks, typically. And we will see those gender-affirming fixtures gloriously hanging on the wall, which I did. And then came in the next second of confusion. If this really is a woman, do I go or do I stay? Do I continue on to accomplish the task? that brought me into the situation to begin with, or do I attempt a a, a gracious about face in order to save face? You know what I mean? Oh, such confusion. I was with a group of pastors this past week, and I told them of my experience at the Walmart bathroom and decided to ask him, what would you do? You should have heard the answers. One guy said, oh, I'd turn around and leave. 
Another one started asking me questions as if I had time to discover and answer the barrage of questions he was asking me. Did she appear to have an agenda? I don't know. Do you think the line was too long in the women's bathroom for her to wait? How would I know that? I, I don't know. I was just in such a state of confusion, my own mind, I wasn't trying to think about anything that she was thinking. One pastor finally gave what I thought was the most honest answer to my question. He said, of what would you do? He simply said, it would just depend on how desperate I was to go. <laughs> Which is my answer, really. Now, I don't know about you, but I do have times when I'm faced in situations in life that are certainly of a much more serious nature, and I'm confused about what's going on and what I'm to do. So my sermon title this morning, if you want one, is What to Do When You're Confused. Anybody been there? Let me see your hands. Yeah, so I'm speaking to a good crowd this morning. What to do when you're confused? Let's ask the Lord to bless this. Father, may we just find some things today in this sermon that I believe you placed on my heart to share. When we are in those situations where we're trying to figure out life and, and how to react to it, how, how to move forward with it, that we're not just to look out there and try to see what culture tells us to do. We'll not just look at what some friends who may not give us the best advice try to tell us to do. Or we may not try to just listen to our heart and try to say, okay, heart, you tell me what to do. Rather that we would look to you and find the answer of when I'm confused, I come to you and I ask you to lead me and set the path for me. May you use this time together today, Father, and be glorified uh, in that it would glorify you in all things. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Truth be known, all of us face times in life like this. If you're a breathing human being, you're either, you either have been or you're presently or you're going to be confused. Maybe it's in a time of a loss of a loved one. Maybe it's ending a friendship or relationship. Should I, I should I not. Maybe it's a career change. Uh, a thousand other points of dilemma of life change. You know, do I leave money in the stock market now or not? Do I pull it out and put it somewhere else that seems to be safer and not so volatile? Yeah, there are just countless uh, things that come up in life. It's like leaves us in a state of confusion. Here's an honest answer, truth to that. Confusion can come from a decision you have to make that you're clueless about which decision is the right one. And then it could come from making the seemingly right decision and things still go terribly wrong. Here's what confusion does. Confusion has a bad habit of distracting us. When we're constantly in a state of confusion, it will distract us to a point that we begin to lose focus 
And that begins to lead to other things. It starts distorting our perspective. So, so confusion would distract us and it would distort us. It starts changing that perspective on life, our purpose, our relationships. Uh, it starts causing us to question others, others' uh, intent. And often we start getting suspicious about people. Confusion also will deplete us. If you ever have been in a state of confusion, you understand that. It just seems to suck the energy out of you. Energy that you would normally be putting forth to, uh, towards some creativity or progress, it just detours us from trying to maintain or, or discover clarity. If you're not careful, you'll begin to doubt yourself and, to, and start doubting everything and everyone around you. Throughout the Bible, there have been people who have been recorded who were confused. Let's just name a few. And these didn't turn out so good. Early on, Cain became confused as to why God blessed Abel. You know how that turned out. There was King Saul. He was a good guy. He, he started out on the right path. He was God's chosen man for Israel, the first king of Israel. He, he honored God at least for a while. But then he commits sin and starts down this spiraling pathway of confusion that eventually leads to jealousy and distrust and eventually took over his life and, and uh, to the point of destruction. And what about King Herod? Do you remember him? He became confused with jealousy, threatened by a little baby of all things. What about King Nebuchadnezzar? He was confused by his own achievements. He had succeeded so much that he became prideful. But eventually, King Nebuchadnezzar comes back to where he should be out of this state of confusion with the help of Daniel. What about Judas? He faced confusion. Confusing temporary riches and power for the true Son of God. And how often does that happen today? That eventually led to his suicide. Then there are biblical characters who face confusion, but with God's help, they were able to overcome them. There was Moses who faced confusion. Remember, he was confused about his own insecurities, his own inadequacy, inadequacies. He couldn't understand why God would choose him when he had made so many mistakes. And after some 40 years, basically, of living in a state of confusion, he finally comes out of it, and we see how God used Moses. And what about David, the one that we have so much admiration for? He was another, however, who got confused. He goes uh, as he's the one who's written down and is recorded in history as the man who's after God's own heart. And yet this man uh, became disturbed and discouraged, distressed and confused. Ultimately, also, he would come around to himself and he would write things like, put your hope in God. Thomas, he was confused with doubt. Peter was confused at times when he would make such boneheaded mistakes. In fact, all of the disciples, the very men that God chose, that Jesus chose, went through periods of confusion, but they, save one, would overcome that with the help of Jesus. 
Some of their confusion happened at times when they were in the very presence of Christ himself. But even Jesus was at a point in time where he found himself in a situation that he questioned God about what was to come. So if you want to take your Bibles and read along with me, and I'm going to tell you there's a lot of Scripture that's coming your way, okay? So if you don't get it all, you can always go back and watch this sermon again uh, through our various outlets that we have available, and you can find some incredible Scripture to help you in a time when you're in a state of confusion. But let's look at this in Matthew chapter 26. The setting is the Garden of Gethsemane. Then Jesus went out with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. They took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. You get this setting? Here's Jesus. Here is the Son of God, God himself. And the Bible says he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now we just need to pause here for a moment and look at the state of Jesus emotionally. You see, sometimes I think we forget about the humanity of Jesus. Sure, this, this man who's fully God, but we should never forget that he was also fully man and that he, he himself is described here as being overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus, is, that's pretty sorrowful, is it not? I've been there, not, maybe not to the point of death, but to feel the weight that just feels like it would be just better if I just go ahead and die. You understand what I'm saying? You been there? To experience this kind of heavy feeling and emotion. And here's Jesus, who is on the same level as God the Father, and he's expressing this very human emotion of sorrow. And what that says to me is Jesus knows that when there are times when we feel that kind of weight of emotion, that kind of sorrow, that he knows exactly how we feel when we're going through it. He knows that gamut of emotions and uh, those, in those times of life-challenging events that we experience when we are in that state of confusion. You want to go to someone who knows all about your sorrows? You can go to Jesus because he understands them. Going a little further, farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. 
Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Here we have Jesus in one of the, one of the darkest moments of his life. Let me just kind of set the stage for what's happened this, thus far. On Sunday of this week, Jesus had entered Jerusalem with a parade of people worshiping him. Like, uh, I mean, it was just full of good times. And then on Wednesday, Judas, one of the 12 handpicked uh, disciples, had gone to the chief priest who had been trying to plot uh, as a way to kill Jesus and tells them that he will betray Jesus for money. Then as the day of Passover feast comes, it comes on Thursday, Jesus is found with his disciples in what is known as the Last Supper. Now get this now, Jesus knows he's going to die. He knows that Judas has betrayed him, and he knows that these same guys he's eating with are about to flee and tell everybody that they did not even know him. Here we see that Jesus has had all these emotions taking place. Now on top of this, he also knows that it's God's request of him to carry out his will and go through all of this and eventually to die. Certainly, I don't know about you, but I would be confused now. I know I would be asking myself the question, okay, God, I know I'm your son. I know you love me, but what's all up with all of this? Don't you know what's about to happen to me and all the pain that I'm about to experience? I think to a degree this was Jesus' attitude as well as when we look back at this story, we see the conversations with God and with Peter and James and John. He says, I'm deeply grieved even to death. And then that conversation that he has with God, my father, if it's possible, please let this cut. Please let it be some other way that we accomplish this. And he says it three times to God. He shows this human side of Jesus, the side that was just as concerned and confused as we would be. I think the story, is, the story is important because it gives us some principles in which we can uh, apply when we're all faced in this situation of being confused. So what do we do in those times? Now, I, I just want you to know, before I talk to you about how to go about confronting those times of confusion, I want you to understand this is not a three-step kind of process that's going to solve all of your moments of confusion like to go through these things is like okay if I do this and this and this now follow along with what the uh, pastor says today then man all of my times of confusion are going to be worked out and I'm going to get a solution just like this this is not one of those kinds of sermons rather what we discover in seeing what Jesus does is a, is a process that we're to utilize that helps us deal with the state of confusion we find ourselves in. So what is the first action step, if you want an action step? 
that we do when we find ourselves in a state of confusion, first thing you do is you recognize who God is. Recognize who God is. He's really indescribable, but the Bible gives us many descriptions of his character. I mean, we know that if I were to say, who is God? Somebody might say, well, God is love, right? I mean, that would be a quick one. If we were to say, who is God? Someone might say, well, God is all-powerful. You might say he's all-knowing. He's, all, he's ever-present. We, we would know those things. We would be able to, to answer that. On and on, we, we would find and we would be able to answer the, what the Bible has, describes who God is. What I want us to see in this is God, Jesus never doubts who God was in that night in the garden while he's praying. The Bible tells us that he had already settled this at the beginning of his ministry when he was in the desert being tempted by Satan. Not that he doubted him then, it's just an affirmation that the Bible says to us, remember? Make no mistake, Jesus, the confusion of Jesus was not uh, about who God was. I mean, he had settled it. He said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only when he was being tempted in Matthew 10. He's quoting from the Old Testament scripture from long ago, from Deuteronomy, and it says, Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. He understands who God is. I think we do, for most part. I think we kind of grasp that and have a comprehension of who God is. But in those times when we are confused, we seem to just kind of let some of those things go about what the Bible says who God is. So in this dark hour of Jesus' life, he knows who God is. And who is God? Well, let's take a look and recognize who he's not. Okay, because I think this is very important to understand. This will tell us much about who he is to look at who he's not. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, describes God, that he is a God of order. Watch this. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints. God is not the source for your confusion. Let that be a foundational point of understanding this about confusion. God is not an author of confusion. You've heard this many times before, but we seem to just all of a sudden forget it, that God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. Confusion does not come from God. Well, and since God is not the author of confusion, then confusion must come from somewhere else. So if you think that God is not the author of confusion, then where does confusion come from? It has to come from the devil. Satan loves to keep us confused. Amen? If you haven't been confused by Satan recently, you better check your relationship with the Lord because he's really trying to figure out a way to keep you confused he loves to stir up anxiety he loves to stir up doubt controversy and confusion and the Bible says this about Satan 
1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and sober mind, of sober mind, your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I'm just wondering who he's after right now in this group of people. Who's he searching for? He's after us. And he wants you to live in a state of confusion. That's where confusion comes from. Now, I could preach a whole sermon on that. I'm just going to throw this in as a little extra. Sometimes, and this is the devil who's kind of backing this up, confusion comes out of the, own things, the same things, out of the things that we do and we create. And then we want to blame somebody else for the confusion. What that really is, is coming from Satan himself, who's, who's working through us, rather than allowing God to thwart that to where we're not confused. So say, Satan is the author of confusion, and then we allow him to confuse us. God is not a God of confusion. Know this about God. The second thing we need to know about God is God is good. God is good. The Lord, listen to all the scripture that talks about this. Exodus 34, 6. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. 1 Chronicles 16, 34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is, say it, good. His, for his mercy endures forever. Psalm 25, 8, good and upright is the Lord. James 1, 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow or of turning. Psalm 34, 8, oh, taste and see the Lord is, tell it, good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And God wants good for you, for us. He wants good. He is good, and he wants good for us. And here's what Romans 8.28 says. You probably know it by heart. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are calling to his, called according to his purpose. Recognize God is not working on ways to try to confuse us. He's good. And so much more. Dwell on the goodness of God. When you're in a state of confusion, dwell on the goodness of God. Here's the second action step. Seek God. And I mean seek Him diligently. If we take a look at the back, it's a story. We see Jesus again modeling this example. Verse 39 says, And going a little further, he threw himself down to the ground and prayed. Now, I'm just taking this description of what Jesus does literally. To me, just Jesus throwing himself on the ground says a lot about the desperation of Jesus to know the will of the Father. Not desperation to the extent of frustration with God, but desperation to know the will of God. When in your state of confusion, you, when you find yourself in that place, 
We're to desperately, diligently, deliberately seek God. Psalm 63, 1 says, O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. Listen to this. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Don't you know we're living in a country that is dry and weary? And yet we don't seem to have a thirst for God. What do you do when you're thirsty? I mean, look, I mean, it's... There's a refrigerator full of these in there, and I'm sure that there's probably some more that came from Walmart <laughs> and other places. And yet, you see what's happening down in Jackson, Mississippi this past week? How desperate people are for this right here. Lining up for hours and hours and hours to get a case of water because the water is polluted and unpure and problems they're having you go out west and there's all sorts of dry conditions out there like they've never had before lakes are drying up and you know, I, I, I think we're gonna my, my father-in-law used to say this one of these days the world is really going to run out of water or we're going to have be running low on water and you're going to see how something that we just take so for granted that people are going to go after. We see that happening. That's the kind of desperation we should see for God is to be so thirsty for him that as if this is our last hope, to have a thirst for him. Here's what happens when you're seeking God. First, the Bible says we will find God. Deuteronomy 4.29, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. And if you will seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul, that tells us how desperate we're to be, to empty ourselves totally and seek after him. Jeremiah 29, 13, back up about two verses, and it says something about having, I know the plans I have you for you not to harm you, but to do good for you. But then here's verse 13, it says, and you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all of your heart, that's that desperation. God, I need you. I'm in this state of confusion. And the Bible says to me, I'm trusting this promise. When I find myself confused, when I find myself in this kind of shape where I'm so desperate, if I will seek you, the Bible says, I will find you. And when you find him, here's what begins to happen. You become keenly aware of your inability to solve your problems and his ability to work in your life. He may not respond exactly the way you want him to, but the Bible says he will respond. Now, that's important to note there. When we seek him... God is going to speak into your situation. We want him to just 
solve the problem. We want him to just fix it quickly. We become such a culture like we just need to get this done quickly. Let's just give you a three-point sermon and, and, and how I to do this. Solve it now, God. Do it now. He may not do it the way you want him to, but he will speak into your situation. Sometimes, if we're faithful, we keep on hanging in there, we keep on seeking him, he answers and responds in ways well beyond our expectation. Anybody ever experienced that? He's done far more than what you were seeking to begin with. You begin to see this less as your problem, and rather you place it in God's court to respond. That's what happens when you seek Him. When you're desperately, deliberately, diligently seeking God, it also produces a posture of surrender. Remember what Jesus did? He throws himself to the ground, and he prays. It was a point of surrender, not my will, Father, but yours. This is your problem. I trust you for the outcome. Here's another thing that happens when you seek God. When you seek him, you find strength. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 16, 11. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. In those lowest moments, his strength begins to shine the brightest. It's like that song that we used to sing as kids, and it's probably one of the songs that we ought to sing more often. It says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are Weak, but he is strong. So you find strength when you seek him. Here's another thing you find you find confidence. Here's what Psalm 34 4 and 5 says I sought the Lord, he answered me, he delivered me from all of my fears. I don't know if he's got solved his problem, but what he did, he delivered him from the fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. If I seek God, he's going to walk with me and start alleviating the fears, the things that have caused me confusion. Desperately, deliberately, diligently seeking God brings discernment, understanding, and wisdom. Watch this in Proverbs 2, verses 3 through 6. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives, watch this, he gives wisdom from his mouth, comes knowledge and understanding. Are those just words that mean nothing to us? They're real. The Lord brings clarity to a situation. I can't explain it, really. I don't know how he does. All I know is he just does it. Sometimes it's immediate. There have been a, some times in my life when I was facing situations, and Lord, I don't know how to handle this. Tell me what to do. And there are times when it comes just as clear as it can be as to how we're going to handle a situation. I want to tell you there were times like that over this past three years 
with all this COVID mess? How are we going to respond to that? How are we going to respond to it as a church? How are, how are you going to lead us, pastor, through this? You know, it's like, who are you going to call in that situation? No other pastor had ever served a church during a pandemic like we had. You just call on God and say, God, how are we going to respond to this? Sometimes it's immediate. Seems like more times than not, it's through process. Just start putting one foot in front of the other. Just start going. You know, eventually, it got to the point where Jesus said, come on, guys, let's just get up and go now. I see what's about to happen. I see my betrayer coming. Yeah, taking a step. God, I don't know... I don't know if these, where these steps are taking me, but I'm just going to take a step here. And it just becomes a process. You take a step here, you trust God. You take another step here, you t- trust God. Watch this, what he does. Proverbs 3, 6. Seek his will and all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Hmm, Okay. Here's what we find. Seeking God brings hope. Spending time with God just makes life better. Amen? That's pretty weak, church. Have you already turned me off? You mean just quit right now? I guess you do. You're not telling me otherwise. I'm going to keep going regardless of what you say. Spending time with God just makes bad things better. And here's what it does. It brings a freshness to the challenges of the day. Here's what Lamentations 3 says. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, but cause his compassions fail not. They are what new Every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. When you spend time with God, it brings hope. Here's what Isaiah 49 and 23 says. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. So the first thing you do is you recognize who God is. The second thing you do is you seek Him. And here's the third action step. You trust Him. Here's what Nahum 1.7 says. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who trust in Him. Let me read that one again. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows, he knows those who trust in him. You know what? This may be the most difficult step of all. You see, when I place my trust in God, what I'm actually saying to him is the outcome is in your hands, God. I'm trusting that you are in control of my circumstances. It's an act of submission. God, I I really don't want to go through all of this. I I know it's going to be hard and painful, 
but I recognize that you are with me and I submit my wants to your will. Father, that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, if there's any other way, but I'm submissive to you. Not once do you say that, not twice do you say that, but three times he said, I want to do your will. I'm placing my trust in you. You know the outcome. I'm giving it to you. And what an amazing blessing we have as a result of the obedience of Jesus Christ. We receive salvation. An amazing gift because he was obedient. And he pushed through that time of confusion and did the will of the Father, which in turn gives those of us who are believers this assurance. Probably one of my favorite scriptures, and I keep using it over and over because we have such a hard time grasping it, where it says, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And what happens? And the God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I pray that even as we're sitting here right now, that there's someone in this building that's having a hard time in a state of confusion. They're seeking what they should do. They'll look to you. They will believe those promises of what the Bible says of who you are. that they'll seek you right now to speak into that confusion, into those circumstances. Maybe it's not confusion. Maybe it's just hard times in life where experiences, life's challenges are trying to get the best of, where Satan is trying his best to try to push those buttons that he knows that works in people's lives. They'll seek you. They'll trust you to stop the detour away from believing in you. Knowing that you're a God who's able to do all things even greater than what we could ever imagine when we do trust you. Help us come to that point right now with you. Here you're here this morning and no one looking around, no one moving around, just what I want to do is if you find yourself right now in a place of confusion, you're trying to figure out what the next steps are. In this time of response, I just want you to slip your hand up. Anyone? Slip your hand. I see hands. Yeah, I see hands. Hands everywhere. 
Let me just pray for you right now. You see these hands, Father, you see they've been raised who have said, hey, that's me. That's who this message is for. Speak into those situations right now, Father. First, let them know that you're walking with them during this time. Let them know that they've got a friend in you. Let them know that you love them. Let them be able to push doubt and fear away that Satan is trying to to cause to rise up in their lives. Let them know that there is a solution out there, but it's your will and not theirs. It's for them to discover and come alongside and just say, I I don't know exactly where this path leads, but I'm just going to start walking this path because I'm trusting you to work in my life. Do something incredible, Father, so that they know that the next moments, the next days, the next weeks, maybe the next years, that they can look back on this and say, you, God, did this in my life. And give you the glory. Father, maybe there's someone here that has yet to have a relationship with Jesus. That incredible gift that was given to us by Jesus being obedient, obedient to the point of going to the cross so that we could be forgiven of sin. Father, maybe you're speaking to someone to give their life to Christ, to allow him to come in and forgive their sins, to give them eternal life, to walk with them, to become a disciple of the the desire to serve you. Pray that today we won't pass up that opportunity if you're speaking to someone about that. In these moments, Father, may we just be obedient. I ask these things in Christ's name. Now, the invitation is going to be open here in a moment. And Just maybe you want to come to this altar and say, I want to spend some time in prayer on my own. Or maybe you want to come and just ask me to pray with you. Or maybe you've got some other decision that you need to make right now. I encourage you to do it as we stand and as we sing.
able to come before you at the foot of the cross and to lay things down what an appropriate song for us to do today to lay a state of confusion down before you and say speak into our lives to trade those things that are just worthless into something that is so incredible that we can't even imagine how good it is until we experience it and even then we won't really know how great it is until we we depart from this life and go to be with you to understand the beauty of what eternal life looks like father i pray for this week i pray that you would just be within the people of our church being the people of believers everywhere. And we may find ways to, to act and live as if we've got this incredible gift in Jesus Christ who takes us above the confusion of the world and the messages and gives us a hope that far out, far out exceeds every other opportunity for hope that's available. Bless us with that, Father, and may we be carriers of it. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You may be seated, please. Amen. Hey, everybody, I hope that you are plugging into all the uh, fun and uh, meaningful activities of the church. Uh, coming up here next weekend, uh, not this coming weekend, but the next weekend, and a lot of men are going to be MIA ladies. It's not the rapture. We're just going to the men's retreat. That's all, okay? You wake up and your husband's not there, and it's going to be really exciting. Some great food, some wonderful fellowship, and uh, I'm super excited about being able to spend some time with uh, some of the men of our church, and um, that's going to be coming up weekend after next. And uh, I want to just bring to your attention, uh, if you're here today and um, you just have a special prayer need, um, I just picked this up on the back table back here. There's a white prayer box, and it says prayer requests. And uh, there's a place where you can mark confidential. If you don't mark that confidential, that means that on Wednesday at 1030, um, we have a group of folks. We meet in this, this room over here, um, Richard Center's classroom, and we pray. We pray specifically line item by line item and for all of those prayer requests. And so uh, I heard, I saw someone this week um, on Facebook that had 
was praising God for a, a prayer request that had been answered. And um, I know specifically we've been praying for this person by name for months. And uh, so, man, it just brought a big smile to my face to know that God is uh, still answering prayers the way that he did in the, in the Old Testament. And uh, so I'm just thankful for that. Pastor Mike, come on up and share some things coming up with us. That's awesome. Amen for that. God listens to our prayers. All right, guys, you guys can spread out and do your thing. We're going to tell you guys this morning about a new event our kids' ministry is going to be putting on for the first time in years. These guys are going to be coming around to you handing out candy. So if you want a treat, just raise your hand. They will come by and serve you gladly. We're going to have a trunk or treat October 26th. It's a Wednesday night. We hope you will come be a part of that. This is a great way to love our community. Uh, you know, in October, we think about Halloween. We think about fall. Uh, typically, Halloween can be, some, for some, a dark time. But we're going to bring light to our community with this event. We're going to be lights in the dark for this time. So we hope you'll join with us. And we're going to go a step further this morning. Now, I'm going to ask this morning, we're going to show a, a picture up here of our parking lot. In our parking lot, we have designated uh, 25 spots, as you see up there. Those white ovals like you used to see on the state test where you can't go outside the line. We need 25 people to say, hey, we are in. We're going to make a car. Our theme is light. It can be the light of the world. It can be Buzz Lightyear. Any kind of light you want to theme your car out as or your SUV, or your van, if you have a scooter, even a smart car, bring it. You sign up in the lobby after church today. You just go back there. I'll be standing back there with the kids. We're going to hand out some candy. Come be a light in the dark to our community on this time. It's going to be a great time of fellowship. We're going to have, we need people to provide food and a, a craft table. We're going to have a photo opportunities for people to come by and just know that God loves them. So if that's you this morning, I challenge you to go out here after church today and just write your name on one of those spots. Um, if you have any questions, you can come talk to me as well. How many spots do we have? We got 25 spots. We ought to double that. All right? All right? 25. That's, that's, that's easy. Let's do it. Let's do hard. Let's do hard. Let's double that. All right? Church, come on. You do it? 25. Let's make it 50. Two smart cars equal one car, right? <laughs> if, if anyone has a smart car, do the equations here. Quit trying to. Hey. <laughs> oh, thank you. You know what this looks like? <laughs> What? It's a dumb real good resemblance. <laughs> <laughs> I need a, need a white one. I'm pale. Pastor Kelly. All right. 50. We're going to do 50, right? I think, I think I'm going to take back over here. Uh, <laughs> ladies, it was great to see the ladies uh, in this week for Bible study. Bible study has started. And I think we have a ladies event coming up. Actually, I've seen, I have a little privy information here. I've seen a whole calendar of ladies events. So ladies, I hope you're getting excited about all the things coming up. Bunko is um, coming up on the 23rd, Friday. Uh, somebody was asked me, it's not gambling. It's not gambling. We're Baptists. We don't gamble. But it's just a night of fun. They've got the dice and all, but it's, uh, it's not. So I hope you will come and join the ladies. If you don't know about Bunko, thank you, sir. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Uh, stand with me as we close in prayer. Thank you guys for being here this morning. It's good to see you. Lord, we thank you, God, for... Uh, that you're not a God of confusion, God, that you're a God of peace and clarity. And God, so I just pray as we move forward with the mission that you've called us to as the bride of Christ, that God, we would move forward with confidence and clarity uh, to reach a lost and dying world that, uh, God, if we don't stand in the gap, that they may, may never hear the good news of Jesus. God, I just pray that we would take that seriously and do everything that we could to lift your kingdom up 
to this dark world. We love you, God, and we praise your name for everything that, uh, all the blessings and everything that you give us each and every week and all that you do for us. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning, this is Kelly. I wanna take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what, we would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.